Super Greek, checking back in, CA in the building. I want to start off with some positive news, actually. So we have a couple different changes to the show, one of which is one, we're now split screen instead of going back and forth. You ask, we deliver. Uh, for Chris, for some reason, like the followers want to see both our ugly mugs at the same time. I don't get that, but hey, you know what? Well, you ask, we deliver, so. Well, to be honest, you, you look rather dashing today, I must say. Oh, stop, it's the V-Day. Whereas, I don't know why they don't want to see my face at the same time. <laughs> so, so that's one of the changes. The other one, Chris, is a special announcement that this is the first place where I'm announcing it. It hasn't even gone on Twitter yet. It is that, and I'm going to do a formal announcement probably early next week. We are officially on Spotify. We are officially on Apple. If you go into the description of this YouTube video, uh, you will see there's a, a link tree that has all three links to Spotify, to Apple. So go on there, download, like, subscribe, follow us and subscribe on YouTube as well. So the main three platforms are on is Apple, Spotify, YouTube. We are growing uh, and it's all thanks to you guys. I mean, it's the, the super Greeks that are a rabid fan base, very engaged. We have some of the best numbers on Twitter for, for the type of content that we do. So this wouldn't be possible without you guys. So I really have to thank Chris as well. Uh, he, he's been the calming foil in my, uh, in my tirades on my end as well. Uh, so the two of us, we, we make a pretty good pair and, and you guys seem to like it. So we're going to keep building. Um, that's kind of how we do things. Um, you never really jump into a project like Super Greek and think it's going to become what it's become in the last year, but we've grown. So it's exciting. Now for the, for the more, uh, you know, dicey uh, news and topic of conversation. And I, I don't want to get too, too down. I, I, this is how I would start. The, the mood on Twitter yesterday was, it was dark, very much shades of Anastasiades, shades of Skeeb. Uh, I saw someone had a very hilarious chirp. Uh, John Vant Skeeb uh, was someone, something that someone said yesterday. One of the responses, I died laughing. That's a ruthless chirp. And I just don't, one, I don't think we're there yet. Um, and I think we just need to, I'm happy that we're filming this show the day after the game as opposed to the day of the game because emotions were raw, emotions were running high. Um, I think everyone just needs to take a deep breath. It's not the end of the world. It is, there is definitely things that need to be changed and don't you, don't you worry. We will be taking that scalpel out and dissecting yesterday. But it's not time to press the panic button yet. Uh, Chris, you, uh, you were watching the game when you saw everything kind of transpiring. What are kind of your biggest takeaways from, from yesterday? I don't share the doom and gloom, I have to be honest. I thought in the first half, we were very good. We controlled the game, we dictated, they didn't offer a threat. Um, if Bagasseta scores the penalty and we're 1-0 up at half-time, we're cruising. Um, after that, obviously, we had a goal disallowed, correctly disallowed. But again, that was a moment whereby it was disallowed because of nothing they did. It wasn't like they, you know, they stepped up as a lion and caught us off. So it was just one of those things where I, it, he went a bit too early. So on another day, that could have been a goal. So Greece could have been one or two nil up at half time, and then we don't have this problem. The problem really came in the second half. There was it was very pedestrian. It was, there wasn't much uh, urgency. Um, I thought the biggest problem was that that we we really really missed Bagagi yesterday. I thought I thought uh, Hadziriago was a centre back playing at right back, and he looked like that. There was one moment where Livnios was sort of pointing in front of him, saying to him, "Move, get to that area." He couldn't lap. It's not his game. He's a centre back. Um, that was one problem. Another problem is when Bukalagi came on, I thought he slowed the game down far too much consistently. Um, 
consistently. It, it really it really affected the general play of the side. Um, there is a problem with end product. There really is. Mandalo again, particularly in the first half, he was subbed off in the second. Countless times his end product was lacking, but it wasn't just him. I believe he also missed the sitter in the first half, by the way. So again, Greece could have been two, maybe three nil up in the first half. And then we're talking about a vintage performance. It was just that second half. And even in the second half, apart from a couple of scary moments, um, we were pretty solid defensively. There were moments where Zvarna got isolated. I think he was very good in the first half. He got isolated in the second half uh, and looked a bit heavy and lost. Um, I thought Zavella played very well. Um, Yanulli, I think they need to find a way to make him more, um, more uh, what's the word, a, a more offensive thinking left back because his ball control is superb. He's clever. He his crossing needs a bit of work, but when he does get to the byline, if he's going to pick out a pass, a low cross, there's always quality there. He always finds the right this, the right ball to play. He could be a real outlet for the Greek national team. If with Simiga playing left back, perhaps he could play left midfield, um, and you know they could have this this nice little thing going on where Yanuli does like to cut in, Simiga can overlap. Um, so there are certain things that they can work on within the team, in my opinion, certain drills they can work on. But generally speaking, it was about a lack of end product. So I can't take it out on the coach because a lot of what the coach... Look, guys, you have to understand something, right? So Gradi Manola are not in the squad. It's the coach's decision. So far, it's the right decision. If I'm not mistaken, he's kept four clean sheets now. It's the right decision. From that point forth, you've then got Siova, who had to be dropped, in my opinion. I know this is divides opinion. In my opinion, he had to be dropped after what he did. Not permanently, but... The coach had to send out a message. You've got Fostuni, who, wonderful footballer. You can see how yesterday he seemed lethargic again and rather heavy. He looked like the lazy Fostuni rather than the Fostuni at his best. So you've got some of the most talented players that are either not playing or not in the starting lineup. I get why the coach is doing that. He's trying to blood in these youngsters and it takes time to transition. We should have won the game. We did enough to win the game. It was just one of those things where there was a lack of urgency a little bit in the second half. We didn't have the, the end product. He's working on it. You can't turn against the coach. This is nothing like the Skeeb situation. This is nothing like Anastasia situation. He's cutting out players. And Mitrovic is another one. One of the, you know, if you're talking about sheer talent, he's definitely our best striker in terms of talent. But he doesn't want to play. And you can see it in his club game as well. He's terrible because he doesn't care. So he, he's made the brave decisions. And that's why you can't compare him to other coaches. He needs time. We have to beat Slovenia at home. And then if we, we manage to get through, great. If we don't win the group, then the moaning can start. But until then, I think any criticism of the coach is very premature. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple different storylines that I think really come to play in here. There's a long-term one, and then there's the course of the match as well as an individual storyline. I think it's important for me to at least advocate a little bit for the fans that are disgruntled, that are a little bit pissed off with the coach. Um, because this has been kind of a long time brewing. If you remember early on, when even when we went on that winning streak uh, in 2019, when we beat Armenia, Bosnia, and then Finland, there were times, even in the beginning, where, you know, there's a lot of players playing out of position. You know, the tactics, some would argue that it wasn't the most efficient formation for the players at our disposal. And the, that population of fans that thought that were a little bit silent because we were getting the results that we needed to. But the flip side of that is there was a little bit of writing on the wall. If you look at those games 
it was we beat Armenia 1-0 without Mkhitaryan and Karapetian. So they're two best players, basically. That's when you have to win. Then you go to the Bosnia game. We score a brilliant goal from with Bavidi. And then on top of that, uh, they score 10 minutes later, Bosnia. It's 1-1. Then it's a deadlock. We played beautifully, brilliantly, but again, couldn't score at the end product there until Fepatsidi basically spurns an own goal. And, and we get, end up winning 2-1. So it was a little bit of a, a, the, the, the ball bounced our way, and we had some good fortune. And it masked maybe the lack of end product, maybe some of the frustration there. And then furthermore, um, you know, you had more guys playing out of position against Finland. Stafilidi, a guy that a lot of us questioned at maybe being a center back, he made one of his pantomime errors that most of us had called. Uh, that was going to happen at least once. Um, we go up, and then... Uh, Mandalos, Bakakis, and actually Galanopoulos have a great second half. We end up winning that game and coming back. But it was against B Finland's B team. And Bosnia was against uh, Bosnia without Dzeko. So the, uh, any, any potential criticism was basically masked by the results and by the euphoria. Finally, we're getting some results. We're looking like uh, a team that's reaching its potential. But as we've seen the last couple months, we've, we're starting to regress back to the mean. Uh, you know, there's, we should have killed off Kosovo and never let them back in that game. A couple sloppy errors from, uh, from Barcas, you know, they, they get a late goal. They almost, they almost equalized. I know it was a comfortable match, but it shouldn't have been as close as it was. And then uh, Moldova, we struggled to break them down. There, there's guys playing out of position again. Then today he used the same, or yesterday, excuse me, he used the same formation. Guys still playing out of position. So that's, that's the long-term storyline in terms of we're starting to get, not get those bounces. And then once we don't get those bounces, we're not getting the results. So there's a little bit of blame for the players. Pavlidis needs to hit some of those, um, those sitters that he had. Uh, you know, we need to be a little bit more crisp in the final third. Bakak, uh, excuse me, Bacasetas needs to hit that penalty. And that's a totally different ball game. And the tone of the match is very different. And then I think lastly, I think AVS requires a little bit of criticism as well from us. Um, I think he got very much outcoached in the second half. The first half, we were brilliant. I was, what I said on Twitter was, we need to just keep doing what we're doing, and it's going to work. And there was a flip in the second half. Um, Kosovo came out with so much initiative. They almost scored twice in two minutes. If it wasn't for the heroics of, of Odysseus with a one-on-one -on -one save, and then five minutes later, um, Katsidiakos coming on with a goal line save, uh, they there was a chance that they could have been up one or two nil as well if, if we, uh, when they caught us napping. So I think that's not uh, JBS's fault, but the fault comes from the 70th minute on when it was a little bit more of this deadlock, this, this uneventful half where we clearly plan A with the 4-2-3-1 wasn't working. And there wasn't a plan B. We just needed to play situational football, not hammer home this, let's learn the system, the system, the system. We needed to hammer home this situational mindset of we just need to be intuitive and score. And so many times there were players that instead of just cracking a shot at the keeper and, and putting it in a dangerous area where they could pounce on a rebound, they're trying to fit it in neatly and precisely into traffic and it never worked. And it's admirable. And of course there's pressure from the coach to play within the system. But that also hampered us a little bit. And that's not going to be what's going to get us through to the final, the, the final finish line where we want to be able to get back to group stages and whatnot. I just thought the second half, JVS let us down with situations. And then on top of that, the substitutes that he was making. Bringing on Bukhalakis was negative. Bringing on uh, Labropoulos instead of Katsidiakos was negative, especially when you have 
Rota on the bench, who had a pretty decent showing besides the penalty he gave up. He was pretty slick. He had some nice penetrating passes that he was combining with Pavlidis with in the, in the friendly match. There, I thought JVS in the second half let us down with substitutes and with situations and not being more flexible when plan A wasn't working. But apart from that little specificity in the second half, I agree. We, it was very positive. Um, the, the, we were a whisker away from really being one or two nil up, and it's not doomsday. I'm not putting out, pulling out the, the panic button. But JVS and his staff definitely have some soul-searching to do in this month off to, to, to make those switches. And JVS admitted there needs to be some personnel changes in the, in the, in the game. So I, I have faith that he's not a delusional coach that doesn't have a feel for the situation. I think he'll, he'll rebound. But there, I think he does warrant a little bit of criticism because the writing that has been on the wall for a while over the matches came up and um, bit us in the butt today or yesterday, excuse me. So sorry, I want a nice little rant there, Chris. But uh, I mean, it was- no, it, I mean, it, I mean, obviously we're we're all ranting. I went off on one too, but I have to say I disagree. I can't I can't blame the coach when he brought on Bukalagi. The theory behind it was I'm going to bring on a playmaking holding midfielder rather than a hard-working, destructive holding midfielder, which is what Zeka is. What he, he couldn't account for was the negativity, I guess, in the passing on the day of Bukalagi. And when he did try to go forward they were, with, with his passing, often they were overhit. There was one moment in the second half where he played, uh, he tried to play this very, very difficult sort of chipped through ball on the left wing. It was overhit, it bounced out, went out, and you could see the disappointment in Bukalagi's face. I don't think you can blame the coach for that. With regards to Hadziviago coming off, I don't think that was negative. He wasn't playing well. He had to come off. For me personally, I would have dropped Limio to right back. And I would have gone with, uh, I would have moved Fortuny to the right um, and had Limio trying to lap him with Fortuny cutting inside. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. You know, he's, in that moment, we were in control. We were, we were probing. Um, yes, okay, we could have raised the tempo. But is that the coach? I don't think the coach is telling them, guys, slow your game down. I just have to be honest. I don't think our squad is that good. You know, I think people have hark back to the days of 2004 to 2014, that 10-year period, and people expect that level of performance. I just don't think, we, I've said this before, I don't think we have the talent there to be able to play the sort of football that a lot of fans are expecting and demanding. It is going to take time to develop a system that works. And you're going to need certain players to start sort of improving their games. And as a national team coach, he doesn't have the luxury of improving players on a day-to-day basis. They have to do the work with their clubs. I mean, take Limnion for an example. He was very good in the first half. In the second half, he just lacked. There was no effervescence. There was no energy. That's not the coach. That's why he had to come up. He was subbed off. But what can the coach do about that? You know, when, when Fortuna is coming off and he's just lethargic and he's not pulling his weight like he's capable of doing, what is the coach supposed to do about that? When Bavlid is missing sitters, what is he supposed to do about that? He can't come on the pitch. He ended up putting both forwards on. He had Funda on two. I thought Funda, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if this was, if there's one thing I would say about um, Skip yesterday, I'm not sure if Funda was told to drop so deep. But there were many occasions where he was far too deep. I wanted him right next to Bavlili, start to launch balls, be a bit more route one, like you're saying, have that plan B, a bit more direct, have the ball launched into Bavlili. Because one thing Bavlili is very good at, he's nowhere near this level, of course. But much like Giroud, he can take a touch and with that touch, lay off an opponent. Just a little, he's almost like a pivot up front. And you can feed the ball into him and with one touch, you can just lay it off to an opponent. Have Funda close to him. 
launch the ball into his chest, into his feet, into his head, and just see if he's able to just touch the ball off and Funda to find the space to, to get a shot off quickly. Um, I would have wanted to have seen more of that. I would have wanted to see Yannoli go a bit further up the pitch. But like I said, hindsight's a wonderful thing because with my yearnings, so to speak, it would have required taking a lot more risks. And if they did then score on the counter and we lost 1-0 and I was the coach, people would have been criticising me. It's, yeah. it's very... Whereas, whereas with a draw, whereas with a draw, not much changes in the sense that we need to beat Slovenia at home. Yes, yeah. that, that still that still needs to change. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, with the goal differential, they won three 0 against Moldova. We have to go into Athens when the, when Slovenia comes in and still get a win, anyways. And I think that'll be a great test for us as well. That's going to be a gut check. So in a way, right? But, but if you then consider that, if you then consider that, we have more. Let's say you had a a 60-40 chance in terms of winning compared to losing if we'd really gone for it. I don't think that would have been the case. I think we'd have had a you know a higher percentage chance of winning rather than losing if it was one of the two results. But let's just say for argument's sake, the coach isn't going to take that risk and say, you know what, let's you know go hell for leather, try to nick a goal and win it, leave space in behind, because then if we do concede, then it starts to become a little bit more difficult in the sense that if you then slip up one more time and draw and they get a result, you're done, you're out. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is nothing changes. We need to win the game. Yeah. And, you know, I'm hoping we see a more, um, a higher tempo the next time we play. But this thing of playing a short passing, by the way, and dragging teams around, I'm fine with that. That's part of the game. They do that quite well. I think the problem is when they get to the final third, it's that end product. It's not that build-up play. The build-up, if, you, if you're going to break the, the pitch into, into um, thirds, in the first two-thirds of the pitch, Greece were very good. They were very defensively solid, apart from a 10-minute period in the second half. In the middle third, Greece were excellent. They were winning tackles early. They were very neat in possession. Uh, they were picking up loose balls. Then in the final third of the pitch, when you had to have the composure to pick out a man, when you had to be a little bit more creative, or you had to be deadly with the finish, that's when Greece really fell apart. And this is what we've seen consistently now, because even in games where we've created a lot of chances, we've been wasteful. And so that's an area which is it, it's probably the hardest thing to do on a football pitch, to be creative enough and to have the composure and precise enough to score goals. It's the hardest thing to do. And so it's going to be very difficult for the coach to just say, you know what, I'm changing that. We have to be patient. It might take a few years, the fact of the, a couple of years. The fact of the matter is, though, you have to also be realistic about the level of talent we've got. If you look at the sort of players we've got and the clubs that they're at, this is not an elite team. You know, I mean, who would you say the most talented players, if you're going to listen to the most talented players that were available to us, and you were to sit there and you would look at the clubs that they're at, they're not at big clubs. This is not Greece of yesteryear, and we have to be patient. That's just the reality. Yeah. No, I think I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that with when the, there's nuance into what you're saying in terms of the criticism, I guess where I would go with, is the system is fine it was created like you said it's everything seems to crumble in that final third but i think the the problem that jbs could have addressed even yesterday was the personnel changes not only myself but there's a lot of people online that don't like bakasetas at that number 10 role uh they find him to be pretty inefficient i find him to be pretty inefficient um he wasn't terrible yesterday but when you have this formation that really relies on this playmaking box to box you know inventive intuitive number 10 Bacasetas doesn't really, I, I know he does in Turkey with Alanya Spore, and Alanya Spore is top of the table right now, or a second of the table in Turkey, but it, 
it just hasn't been translating to the national team like JVS wanted it to. And again, some of those early results may have been flattering for Bacasetas in terms of propping him up on this level that he's not going to be able to consistently reach. I'd personally play around with exactly what you were saying, uh, moving Yanulis further. That left wing spot is still up for grabs in terms of the national team spot. Right wing, Limio has definitely earned that starting spot. And then up top, I, I liked Pavlidis yesterday for the first half. I think going forward, I'm excited to see how he grows as a striker. But he's young. He's a youngster right now. And, and relying on a 21-year-old to bear the burden of scoring for your national team right now isn't really fair to the player. And that's where some of my criticism comes with JVS because you have to have that awareness as a coach to know he's 21. He's young. He's going to miss chances. He needs a little bit more of a role model. I would have liked to have seen maybe Fortuny sneak into that number nine spot or on the, on the left wing. Uh, as you were as you were more or less saying, or right wing, you on a right wing, but on the wings, I think his work rate uh, doesn't do him any favors, and I don't think he's not that in that number ten spot. If anything, I would move, I would play around with moving Mandalo central. I would move Yanulis to that left wing spot. I would move um, Fortunis to the number nine. I would keep Limio there, and then I would have um, Zeka and and uh, well, um, Kurbelis is not going to be available for next game, so Bukalakis. But eventually, when Galanopoulos comes back, I'd have him in one of those midfield two spots. And then I would move one of, we have like an embarrassment of riches at left back, pick any one of them, Kiriakopoulos, Savelas. Then you need to develop a center back pairing, which is what's been lacking. The defense and goalkeeping actually did well yesterday, I thought. But we need a little bit more stability in developing a, a nurtured and stable and consistent center back pairing. The back line has changed every game, and that's not going to be serviceable long term. The, the left back spot, let's just say for, for consistency purposes, we put Savelas there, move Yanuli forward, Hatsidiakos uh, and Zvarnas are the two CBs. And then you have Tri Rota next game against Moldova right back. And congratulations, Odisea, you've earned the number one spot for the keeper of Greece national team. Uh, saving a penalty, then a good one-on-one. I thought he was much more steady-handed than, than Barcas as well. Going forward, at least for the interim, he's the number one for me. But that's what I'd be playing around with next game uh, to, uh, to shake up this, this mishmash and this kind of staleness that we reached in the second half. I personally thought Savela was fantastic yesterday. Yeah, no, so I think so do we, I. But not just yesterday. Not just yesterday. I, I think whether it's been stuck in Livio Savela, the idea of having a fullback at centre-back has been central to the system. And it's worked well. We're not conceding goals. So, if anything, the one problem we had from the defence yesterday was the expansive element of the game. Hatsidiago going forward was terrible. terrible. He had a fantastic clearance. Terrible. He had a fantastic clearance off the line. But that was his role as a centre-back. Now, I, the problem that Greece have, in my opinion, is not the defence. The defensive work has been, has been very good. We've not conceded. We've not given up chances. We've not looked like conceding goals. We've been very solid throughout the tenure of the coach. There are going to be some teething, teething problems early. Okay, so that's going to happen. That's natural. Obviously, like you're saying, he's changing the defence of the game. He's tinkering. He has to because we haven't found the perfect outlet. And, and this is the thing, going back to, to Fortuny as well, before when you said, uh, you know, I spoke about him being on the right wing. I don't necessarily mean every game. I just meant yesterday, the way the game was going, I wanted to see him come on on the right with Lignu at right back, lapping him. So, so he needed, needed some new juice and, the light, and put more life into the game. And we, we didn't see that from the substitutions and, and the way it happened. Belkas came on. I, know, I don't hate Belkas, but there was just very weird, peculiar substitutions that I would also think would be I really winning, though. It's just come back to bite him now. That's I, I, I mean, with Belka, it's unusual because the Belka of Balk is superior to the Belga of Greece. Sometimes that can happen. You have a lot of players that will 
perform to their club size. They don't in their national teams. Sometimes that's pressure. Sometimes it's about the system of play. It can be a variety of things. But Belka's a good player. I've got no problem seeing him featuring more and more in the Greece national team. But I personally also like Bakaseta, what he's doing at the moment. What, one thing he's very good at, like I said, which people don't realise, he's, he's very, very good at short interchanging passes. Look out for it the next time he's playing. He's very, very good at it. The ball will come at him quickly. He'll take a quick control, quick movement of the ball. He links up quite well with Bablivi. Um, where he lacks that sort of final um, end product, he lacks a bit of a sort of magic, I guess you could say. But apart from Bostum, I don't think we have that in our locker. We don't have that available to us. We don't have that top-class playmaker apart from Bostum, and he's not physically doing what he was doing in 2018, 2019. Whether it's the injury that's affected him, whether it's as Podem says, there's an issue with training and his work rate in training, I don't know. But, you know, this idea that you can just drop Bagasseta and bring someone else in and it's going to change the team, I don't think that's the case. I think at the moment, when you look at that team, it's not too far off where we should be in terms of team selection. That begs the question, though. It's, it's a red flag for me when you have a coach that is hammering home the system of 4-2-3-1 when we don't have the horses to necessarily run a successful 4-2-3-1, especially as the competition gets harder. What you saw against the in Austria, uh, we, that midfield two and that 4-2-3-1 turned to a midfield five very quickly. And we, it, it's just not transferable, I don't think. And not just against di- di- more difficult opponents, but when you don't have the horses for it, when you don't have that, that Tadic-type player, that dazzling number 10, it's really hard to run this system. And you, that's not but, on the players at that point. It's on the coach to have but it. The system, but the system has worked. I, I think, you guys, point, you can understand. Good point, but the scoring woes still continue. We like it, we didn't really but, have. But that's my point. They'll continue regardless of the system because we don't have the players to be scoring for. Player selections. I mean, I would trust Fudas. I would trust Fortunis with his finishing ability. You saw what he did when he linked up with Fuda in Austria. It was brilliant. Look, Fuda, Fuda, Fuda was play- yeah. But when Fortunis scored against Austria, he came in off the right. He wasn't up front, and it, it went. Fuda was on the pitch yesterday. It was, he's a drifting player. Even when they put him up top, I think he was either, it was one of the last two games. Uh, he, he would always be drifting to the left if, if just because like he wouldn't be running back to his initial position. But, uh, because he's not a forward. Up top. That's the point. He's yeah. not a forward. It but is, when that happens, when you, when you do have a forward that drifts, the problem that you have is that you then leave a void in that attacking third. Now, what can happen is when he drifts, you have another attacking midfielder and the best midfielder for this out of the bunch we've got, like I said, by the way, is to move into that void to become that forward. So the forward moves out. The centre-back doesn't know whether to pick him up. He can't pick him up. And by moving out of his area, the attacking midfielder becomes the striker. So the centre-back has to focus on the incoming player. Now, there are certain things you can do to further fool, so to speak, the defensive side. Fortuny could drop in between the centre-back and the full-back rather than going all the way to the wing. Find that element of space. Then Bagaceta moves towards the centre-back that should be occupying Fortuny. Now what does he do? Does the centre-back move up across and pick up Fortuny? Or does he pick up the, the incoming man? What should happen is that he picks up the incoming man and the full-back drags over to come and mark Fortuny. That's when you can have the overlapping full-back to come and provide an extra option on that side. But again, to do that and build that play, it's very hard to do. These are, it, it, it takes time to build that. And they don't have that at the national team. Yeah. Fortuny, Fortuny is a 
fantastic talent. He's a top-class talent, but he's not a consistent performer. And relying on him alone as a forward for goals, for me, is risky. Now, I know what you were saying before about, look, I believe he's 21. How can you rely on him? The fact of the matter is, 21 years old isn't that young in football anymore. There has to be a point where you're given that responsibility. He's starting week in, week out for his side in, in uh, the area of the Vise, So there's no reason why he can't start for the national team. You have to ask yourself this question. Is he good enough? Is he good enough to finish what he missed yesterday? Yes, he is. That end product has nothing to do with the coach. That's out of his hands. What the coach is trying to do is build a system where, number one, we don't give up chances. We're not giving up chances. Number two, we create chances. We did create chances, and we have created a lot of chances under this coach. Number three, there's an end product. That's not, that, that hasn't happened, but that's the one thing that is out of his hands. All he can do is create the system that works defensively and offensively, and there are always going to be imperfections. But I don't think we can criticise him. I, I'm happy with what I'm seeing. I just wish there was a little bit more progress. For the most part, I, 99%, I definitely agree with you there. It, it's the, the, he's developing it, and the defense looks pretty solid. The midfield, it, it is what it is. We don't, we're not very talented there, but they're, they're doing their part. I think the biggest piece, though, is, is the second half that we saw, where he needs to realize, all right, he's missed some chances. It's not the striker's day. Let's take him off. He kept him on when you have guys like Pavlidi, guys like Fortunis on the bench that could have gone there instead when you need a goal. Uh, instead, he puts here's the thing. out wide and keeps uh, keeps the youngster in, where it, it's the unique that that's a personnel thing that could change that could have changed things as the game got stale because it did get very stale and you were almost looking at JBS being like, do something and what he did was not it, it didn't amount in a result when it could have it's personnel changes. Well, what he did what he did was put on an extra striker and a playmaking holding midfielder instead of a destructive midfielder and he replaced the right back who wasn't getting ahead of the halfway line with a guy who was a natural right back in the hope that he would get ahead of the halfway line so from a philosophical perspective what he did wasn't wrong necessarily it just didn't pan out and that's what i mean how sometimes it's not really the coach's choices it's about the players on the pitch too now absolutely absolutely but with food that, for example i would have liked him to go to that number nine spot instead of out wide so would i so with hindsight we wish you know maybe that should have happened but the thing is, I still would have wanted Bavlini on. Whereas you just said maybe he should have replaced him. See, I would have wanted Bavlini on as the big guy, little guy, that old school sort of approach where he tried to feed the ball into him with Funda working off him. But here's the thing as well. If you replace Bavlini with Funda as a sole striker or with um, Fortuny, you change not just the player, but the system. Because Bavlini is a different type of forward. He's a target man. He's physically strong. He's good aerially. Whereas neither Fortuny, neither Funda are those types of players. So immediately, you know, you were saying how you wanted to be more situational, go a bit more, you know, get the balls in the box early, a bit more route one, I guess, a bit more direct. You well, can't do that yeah. and take Pavlidi on. Oh. Yeah. Well, Fortunis was a guy that, that has enough quality to where he could, he could almost mask that role and be that role player to do so. He's a guy that has played back to goal in the past. He's a guy that has scored big goals for us in the past. He would have smashed. He's not airy. Yeah, he's never going to start. It's not his primary skill set. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's not his primary skill set. But again, he's so he's a top talent. So when you want, when you need it to call on his secondary and tertiary skill sets, I would trust him more than a, a, a Fuda to be able to at least do what he needs to do to be able to give us a chance. Because it clearly it just wasn't Pavlidis' day yesterday. <laughs> Keeping him in, it, it's it, yes, I agree in the sense that. You need to keep on because it changes the system. 
but it negates the system when the player that is crucial to that system is just on and off day, and you need to realize that. You see, I think one thing that I've got a very different philosophy from a lot of the and listen, I, you know, I love a lot of the a lot of the boys that are on Twitter that we always converse with. I love you, I love you guys, but there is one key thing that I often disagree with. I can say pretty much all of you when it comes to this, right? I remember Gekka used to get a lot of shit. And the, the criticism he used to get was how much he missed chances. He missed so many chances. But here's the thing. I want my forward to be in the chances, even if he's missing them, rather than not be in the chances. So I wouldn't take a forward off if he's missing chances. So I in your that. mind, so, so what you're saying is, but I believe missing opportunities. Let's take him off. No, because I'm of the mindset that, look, he's causing them problems and getting in the opportunities. He just needs to take one. Even if he's not finishing, great. He needs one. Whereas if you take a guy off and put another one on and he can't quite get into the game and he's not getting the chances, he won't necessarily bury them. For yeah. me, it's all about, if you want to look at it from a very basic sort of statistical perspective, how many opportunities are we creating that should result in goals and how many opportunities are we giving up that should result in goals? And if you look at it from the perspective of a sheer goal difference perspective, Greece are creating a lot more than we're giving up. And so when it comes to then converting those opportunities into goals, XG is another way of saying this, but it works in a different way with Brentford, but XG, expected goals. If you are creating a lot of goals that are expected to be scored, then it's really down to, on any given day, the clinical element of the players, that final ball, that composure, that finishing. Whereas from a coaching perspective, I want my XG to be high and my minus XG, what I'm giving up, to be low. And at the moment, we can't complain. I think, I think we're seeing a lot of progress. And there, there's never going to be the perfect thing. If you, remember, if you remember going back years now, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a bit, well, a bit now, but if, if you remember a few years ago, when, when we were still successful, back in 2014, 2012, there used to be a lot of people that used to complain, bring in the youth, bring in the youth. And I used to tell everybody, guys. I remember that. Yeah, I used to tell everybody, guys, it doesn't work like that. You might see a player who's very exciting, but you're missing out on certain technical and tactical elements. You're going to get rid of a very experienced player who's very good at certain things that you don't see, things off the ball, so on and so forth. And you're going to bring in a prospect who might not deliver. And it could really cause us problems. Now, the last thing I wanted to be was correct, obviously. I mean, you know that. We live for the national team, watching the national team. It's the last thing. I, I, I'm not trying to pull up an I told you so or anything like that. All I'm saying is that it's very easy for us to sit on the sidelines and say, don't use that player, use this player. He works with them in training. He sees where the system is effective, where it perhaps isn't as effective. And the fact of the matter is, these are the players we've got at our disposal and it's going to take time. But if you just look at it from the perspective of creation versus what we're giving up, we're doing okay. With regards to Austria, I, with regards to Austria, I was working actually and didn't see the first half. I saw the statistics that we didn't have a shot on goal. So I'm assuming it was very poor. I did see the second half. And we reacted pretty well. We were yeah. away from home. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel this doom and gloom. I'm excited about what the coach is doing. If we fail to win the group, then questions have to be asked. Um, we have to get out of this group. It's not a particularly strong group. Um, we have to get out of the group. But at the moment, I'm not yet panicked not only just for, for the Nations League route to a tournament, for a world rankings perspective, we are one spot now above Finland, who beat Ireland this week, 
and they're 55, we're 54. If we have a bad string of results next month and Finland have a good, we are out of pot three and into pot four. And then it's dire straits for us there. We need to just from a, a different perspective, from multiple perspectives, get back into pot three or can stay in pot three and get two big results next month. So it's all, I think there's, the jury's still out JVS, but next month will really tell us a lot about it. In regards to your, I want to go dovetail back quickly to your, the, the comment you made where hindsight is a, a beautiful thing. It is, but for a lot of these fans that have had struggles with JVS and fully hopping on board, the hindsight has really been foresight because there's been a, a, a trend of this now where there have been peculiar personnel uh, decisions, peculiar substitutes, a lot of players playing out of position. Like there's no reason why Rota shouldn't have been playing yesterday. And, but Hatsidiakos, who already, after his showing against Moldova, it was clear, it's like, he's not really up for this. He shouldn't be there. And he gets put in again. It's really bizarre. Uh, and it, 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 it's just taken, it took away from the attacking prowess that we had. Obviously, Bakakis needs to come back soon. But it's things like that, that just are head scratching. That Okay, um, okay. So, so let me ask this. Yeah. Apart from Hatsidiago and Rota, which other area did you feel that the player was completely out of position and shouldn't have played with? Sabella at centre-back. They had a brilliant game. So who else? Yeah. That one selection. Who else? So it's not that... So, so the, main, the, the smoking gun is right back. After that, though, it's who is playing where. And... Yes, so give me an example, I'm saying. Be, be specific. Because I don't see what everyone else is seeing when they're talking about playing players out of position. The players that have played out of position have done well. Staffy Lili and Savela, when they've been at centre-back, they've done well. Staffy um, a little bit shaky. Like I said, like I, three games, yes. I think Madalos in that left-wing spot is still up. There's still room for someone else to take that spot. And Madalos to... The thing is with Mandalo, but the thing is with Mandalo, because we, we've debated this between the two of us, you really like him, and I understand why you like him. I've got issues with him because of his end product. Whether you play him on the left or whether you play him behind the front, the issues that he's got remain. So... His issue is not that he's not offering enough on the left and he could be offering more in a central position. It's just that, for whatever reason, he lacks composure in the final third. So again, is that really the coach's errors? I'm not so sure. I don't see anything. For me, the system is working. The team selection has been fine. Yes, there are one or two areas that maybe I'd have done differently. But there's nothing dramatic that I'm going to look at and go, I can't believe he's done that, head in my hands and, and stuff like that. I think it's a much harder job than people realise. No, it definitely is. And me with my putt in my hand talking about how like, oh my God, like you do this. Obviously, like he's a coach. I'm a fan. And, and I'm no, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. Listen, listen, everybody's entitled to an opinion. And the fact of the matter is, even world-class coaches disagree with each other. And only one of them can be right. So it's not to say that you're wrong and he, sorry, he's wrong and you're, you're right or vice versa or I'm right and you're wrong. It's nothing to do with that. I'm just, I'm just talking from the opposing perspective. Of, sure. Look, in the past, I gave you the example of in the past, there were people that were calling for certain changes and criticizing Santos for not making those changes. When those changes came, it, it led to our downfall. So we have to learn from our own errors too and say, look, the last time we called for these changes, it didn't go so well. Perhaps the coach is seeing something that we're not seeing. Because overall, I think guys, people are forgetting how bad we were between 2014, the end of 2014, and 2019, this team is showing massive improvement compared yes. to that. 
you're not going to go from a 3 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10. It's just not going to happen. If we're a 3 out of 10 and then we've gone to a 5 out of 10 in a relatively short period of time, you've got to accept that and hope by next year we're at a 7 out of 10. That's the only way you can build a team. It's just the reality. Alex Ferguson, right, and this is club football where he gets to work with them every day. So in theory, you should get results more quickly. Do you know Alex Ferguson didn't win anything at Manchester United for almost the first three years? And there were calls for him to be sacked. The fans wanted him to be sacked. And the board stuck by him and it ended up creating a dynasty. One of the greatest clubs, this club teams, that the Ferguson era is one of the best we've seen in English football. He could have been sacked in those first two and a half to three years yeah. because he was so unsuccessful. It takes time. That's just the reality, guys. Yeah. And, and Skip can't work with them every day. He can't bring in transfers in the way Ferguson did. This is what he's got. And it's not an easy job. And, and the fact of the matter is, when he has played players in certain different positions, they've done all right. They, they, I, I haven't, yesterday, it wasn't working with Hedzi Diago at right back. But like I said, a draw wouldn't have necessarily been calamitous compared to the prospect of defeat. So maybe he was thinking, look, we're still creating enough to nick this. So I don't want to take risks. Because here's the thing. We're all sitting here saying, oh, Hatsi Diago shouldn't have been playing right back. That clearance off the line, although he was in a defensive role, it happened because Varana got dragged out and he came across from right back. So Skip could sit here and say to us, listen, guys, you can say what you want, but primarily he's a defender and he cleared the ball off the line, which is, the, is as important as a goal. So he could turn and say, you guys wanted Limnoy at right back or whoever, or Rota at right back or whoever else, but the choice I made saved us a goal. So this is what I mean. You've got to look at it from everyone's perspective. It's very difficult to be so critical. For sure. But Chris, he made that same thing. He made a pretty much a identical goal line save um, against Bosnia in the winning streak as a center back last year. That's just his feel and his intuition guiding him to, to make, that, make that read. Yeah, but, but what I mean is that yesterday's – I'm not saying he, he could only do that because he was at right back. What I'm saying is that the reason he was able to be in that position is because Varna got dragged out. If he was in centre-back, maybe he would have been the one that got dragged out. So because Varna got dragged out, he's able to then see the play and come across to cover. He had the defensive nous to cover. So my point is, if Limnio or Rota were playing at right-back, when Varna gets, or whoever, maybe Hadzid Yago would have played on the other side, he would have, uh, it, um, and Savela got dragged out. Whatever the case may be, if, if Hadzid Yago was the one moved out of position, would Limnio or Rota have had the, the defensive wherewithal to come over and cover? Yeah. Maybe not. So, so all I'm saying is, is there are pros and cons to everything. So, okay, like it, it frustrated me that he slowed the game down so much. But the positive aspect of that, because that's a negative, from an expansive perspective, it was negative. Yeah. The positive is that he's so neat, he doesn't lose the ball. So what stopped happening, because there was a 10-minute period where Kosovo looked dangerous, what stopped happening is that there were no more turnovers of possession where they were looking dangerous in the transition. Because when we got the ball, we kept the ball. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying about how often there's a pro, you know, for, for, for every action, there's a reaction, so to speak. And so somewhere there's a pro, and that pro causes a con. And when there's a con, often it's because of a pro somewhere else. That's just the, the, the realities of the, of the tactical game in football. It's like a game of chess. It's, it's not, it's not a, a computer game. It's not football manager. We're just going to have, you know, fast players and you get on the thing and you just dribble through everyone. It's difficult, guys. And, and you know, we, we are a limited team in terms of, of, of talent. And it's going to be hard for him. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm a fan. I, I, I want to get there. I think he's doing very well. Um, 
I don't know. Let's see. If we get through this group, I think people will be happy and I'll start to, you know, to, to have more belief in him. We'll see. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's not, it's definitely not time to, to throw him off the, walk, make him walk the plank yet. I think he definitely has a big month ahead of him, though. And, I mean, at the end of the day, this was Kosovo's C team. They're so depleted. They only had five subs in the bench, man, and all their stars were out. Uh, the, the yeah, fact that's that, true. That is true. The fact that we couldn't get a result there is, is disappointing. And especially when there was a staleness of the game the last 20 minutes, that didn't improve. If it was me, we would have been more direct. We would have seen more aerial balls in towards Baglidi with Funda closer to him. I would have been on the touchline screaming for a higher tempo. Um, so I'm not saying that your criticisms are incorrect. But what I'm saying is how much of that falls down to the coach and how much falls down to the player's limited abilities. Limio, did, did Limio did Limio stop running in the second half because the coach told him not to? No. For whatever reason, he couldn't get going. Did he give too much of himself in the first half? I don't know. Does he lack stamina? I don't know. But it wasn't the coach telling him, stop making those darting runs down the wing. It just happened. It wasn't the coach telling him how like he overhit the forward passes. So, you know, it's just these, it's just one of those things. I would have, but the areas where, he, where if it was me, I would have taken more risk. I would have told the Anmuni, stop being so negative. There were too many occasions where he had space to run into and he's cutting in, playing a, a, a pass sideways. It's the double-edged sword of this hard man. Uh, I'm going to kick out Siovas and be a, uh, you know, a tough coach, you know, totalitarian mentality. Once you have the system, you're like, no one's above the system. Players are afraid to do intuitive football things when, when you're in this kind of almost like pressure cooker situation where it's like, if I opt to do a not systematic thing, but it's the right football move, I might get taken out. I might not get back in. On top of the fact that there, we needed more practicality. The directness was crucial, and that's where JVS fumbled the bag. He, he literally was, like, not adapting to the situation. We needed a goal. We needed more aerial balls. We needed people to smack it off the keeper and see if we could pounce on a rebound. Saipigidi would have been doing that all night. We would have been – Torosidi and Jolevas would have been throwing in balls all night, create chaos. But we don't have that. We don't have those level of but players. We, have, that can put we, those we have wing backs that are capable of whipping in balls and making a, a Kosovo C team caliber backline make mistakes and then having guys. Not yesterday we didn't. Not yesterday we didn't. We didn't have him on the field. Simika's not there. Bagagi's not there. Yanuli is more of a, a short passing footballing fullback rather than one that plays in. Put in a couple of precise. great deliveries. It does need to be precise. Throw in a ball in between the six yard box and the penalty yard box and the penalty spot. And you're gonna have a number. I don't think. I don't think that's because. I don't think that's because of JVS. I mean, you've made the point about perhaps they're afraid to express themselves in case they get dropped. He's not dropped any player for expressing himself. He's dropped players that have had issues with effort or with discipline. I think on the other end, there's a player that I'd like to have called up, and this is going to be a little bit controversial. It's Tassos Vonis. He comes off the bench in France for Reims or Reims, if you want to go fancy with it. Um, he's a guy that, much like Limnyot, doesn't play consistently at club. Limnyot, he had COVID. It's a, it's a new transfer, a new league, so that's understandable. But in terms of finishing ability, in terms of quality, he adds a lot in that number nine spot and in that left wing spot that we're missing right now. It might be worth having an option like him on the bench. So in terms of that attacking talent, he is someone that is very talented. And you saw as a young 21-year-old against Belgium in Athens, he was the lone striker that was really taking it to Vertonghen and Vermeilen and really stepped up. 
So he has a talent there. He's getting consistent 30 minutes a game off the bench for, for Reims in League One. So that's another player that can help, uh, you know, forge the way and, and fill the void in this attacking, um, you know, you know, blip that we're in right now and, and kind of take some heat off of Pavlivni if you don't want to go the Fortunis or, or Fudas route. So, I don't know. I've always, liked, I've always liked him. I've always liked that. I've always liked him, Donnie. But at the same time, it's that thing of the coaches looking at him. He's thinking, how good are we? Break into that first team and prove it to me. This was a kid that had a lot of talent, a lot of potential, and has he fulfilled it? No, if anything, he's regressed. Yeah. And listen, I love I loved his dad as a footballer. I love his dad as a human being. I'm not trying to be critical of Ronnie at all. I want that kid to do well. But his decline. Yeah. Show me the level you can get to. Yeah, he's he's just one of those players where it's like it's a struggle to have him play a full 90. And uh, it, it is frustrating. But having that impulse c- coming off the bench would be nice. Also, our guy, one more name, is uh, Jan Jotas. I, I think there's still – a place for him in the squad as well as a goal getter, as a, a energizer bunny type player. He, for whatever reason, Greek football Twitter, like really doesn't rate this guy. I think you and I are both in the same boat. Uh, we're in a two man boat, basically. Uh, where 100%. Where it's like, 100%. this guy is a perfect fit for the system and it's just getting left out right now. It makes no sense. 100%. And he, and, and he can play right back, by the way. Yeah. And he, he has a lot of. He's a utility man. He's passionate, high energy. Has a great nose for goal, late arrivals in the box. It's a no-brainer for me. So, as hundred percent, I agree, hundred percent. As resourceful as this ethnic coaching staff have been, having Donis Yanyotas. I mean, we have an end product problem here. You need to be resourceful. You're not. You can't buy someone on transfer. You need to bring these new bodies in. The same front four has not been finishing. So. Again, Chris, the definition of insanity, obviously the cliche definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again. This same front four has been thrust into the starting lineup like a round peg into a square hole. No, you see, that's where we disagree. I don't think it's – see, you. this is where we disagree. I think there's two opinions here. One is that this is, this is not working. What we're doing is not working. My opinion is that it is working. It just needs a little bit of tinkering, not necessarily in terms of personnel. It just maybe, needs to be a bit more I'm composure. I think we're playing well. Maybe I'm overemphasizing, but, but I do agree with you in that respect. But I think the, the details are still very important, so I'm emphasizing it. But a little bit of change up with this attacking do, uh, this attacking four, I do think is warranted, especially in an experimental friendly against Moldova, you know, at a time when it's not high risk. But clearly... Dude, if we... That, that's not an experiment. Austria was an experimental friendly. Moldova's a massive game. We need, bear in mind, I mean, listen, we could have speaked in six minutes. You you're right, but I hate how you just said that was a massive game. It's just like such a sobering comment. Like, this is where we're at. No, I mean, look, I, I get that. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're a massive opponent. I'm just but, saying if we slip up there. But for the, folks, for the folks at home that are like, we should be destroying Moldova, this, this, and that, it's like, this is, it requires a different skill set to break down a team that have 11 behind the ball. We don't have an Ozil type player that makes a good kill pass that, that you know, really penetrates in this process. Well, so, what we do in Fortuny, if he gets his finger out, this has to play well. Look, we, yeah. He was brilliant against Moldova, by the way, the other day. He was. Um, he I thought he was fantastic. So we'll give him credit there. But there, there's, I think there's still more to be desired with this front four, and it's not set in stone yet. And I think JVS has done a good job of getting to a level that we weren't at. But I still think with personnel, there's more to go in terms of who plays and who plays where. 
I still think there's a little bit more tinkering that should be done because this, the consistency has been the front four. And the front four have also failed to score a lot of goals and punch home their chances. Even when we but were- But they've created a lot, Pam. And maybe another front four would have created as much. Creating a lot, but if you're, if you're chronically, chronically not able to finish those chances and it's happened over the span of eight games now, that's telling you something. So playing around with that, I still think is very valuable. And, and um, it's warranted. And I think we have a nice friendly against Cyprus before our big games against um, Moldova and um, Slovenia. Yeah, you still need to experiment. Uh, we will see how it goes. Uh, I think, I just think this is a, the honeymoon phase of JBS is, is officially over. Right? We had an extra long one because of COVID. And we, but it's time to, uh, it's time to pack up the bags, head out of Santorini and reopen the Suvlastirio, the Suvlaki shop, get back to work because we got mouths to feed. And next month is going to be interesting to see what happens. It's gut check time. We're going to see what the squad has. It's going to test their nerve, test their bottle. It's a big, it's a big match. In Slovenia, I'm not as worried about them as Twitter, Greek Twitter is. Everyone's like, oh my God, they haven't let up a goal. Jan Oblak. We outplayed Slovenia in the first game. We will continue to outplay them. We will create chances. Listen, they had a lot of players out. They had players out. I'm well, scared of Slovenia. Montavs, their stars are still not in. It was a pretty similar squad yesterday in this camp, this uh, month to what it was two months ago. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling going into Moldova and Slovenia? Do you and for next month? Are you? Are you? Do you think? I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not confident. I'm not confident. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't been confident with this Greek team since the World Cup 2014. I was very confident. I thought we could do well. I thought we actually underachieved. We should have got to the quarterfinals. We ended up losing on penalties and not getting to the quarters. Okay. So, you know, and since then, I've not been confident and I've been accused of being an eternal pessimist. But when, you, when you're pessimistic because of results and then that pessimism is reinforced, it's difficult to then suddenly become optimistic. So they've got to give me a reason. Jenny's got to give me a reason to believe in her. Jenny, my girl. Uh, not my girl. She's in the doghouse yeah. right now. But... Um, yeah, see, I'm not, I'm not as harsh on Jenny. She's not in the doghouse. But Jenny, <laughs> baby, come on, girl. We've got to pick this up a little bit. We've got to get to this, the next base. You know, we've got, we, we've we got to move our, this along. I'm not disappointed our, in her. We had our first real fight. Uh, it's now time to see how we react. It's our first real fight. No, Daddy, see, you call it a real fight. I call it a little squabble. I'm okay with my baby. Don't worry. Don't, just, <laughs> don't try to get between me and Jenny right now. I'm happy with Jenny. All right. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we're going to be Moldova. I have enough confidence we'll find a way to be Moldova. Um, they're going to be depleted. Uh, and then it's going to be a cup final against Slovenia, which is, it's just, again, much like your Moldova comment from earlier, calling it a cup final. Bear one thing, if, if memory serves me correctly, in the last Nations League, Slovenia were in the same group as Cyprus, and Slovenia finished bottom of the group. So this is what we're dealing with. If I'm not mistaken. We, we also Slovenia. finished third behind Finland and Hungary, who are actually very underrated sides nowadays. But we're in a different spot too. It's ha it happens. It's a, shift, a change of the tides every. And we're, yeah, I just don't. Th I don't think Slovenia are very good. That's my point. I, I don't think they're yeah, very no, good. So I don't think there's an excuse for them. Absolutely. That that's where my confidence is coming from. It's like when you look at them. We, the, our first game where we always start slow. We were the better team. We should have scored. We're gonna. I, I expect more of that, and it, hopefully we take advantage of the chances. And I, I hopefully there's a chance that it's not the same starting uh, front four that is in there for at least the 60-minute period of the main meat and potatoes of the match. Um, so we'll see, man. It, it's, 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 we'll it's, see. It's, it's a do-or-die for, for the morale behind JVS uh, in the short run anyway. So we will see. Um, 
Continue to subscribe, tell your friends, retweet, and now download on Apple, follow on Spotify. We have a podcast up and running. Um, it's going to be in the link in the description, as I said in the beginning of the video. And uh, we'll go there. We'll, see what we'll go with that. We'll see what happens. Um, it's now time to press the panic button. A little blip on the radar. Let's hope that we, we get back into the groove uh, next month. And um, more podcasts will be coming. And more podcasts not football-oriented will be coming as well. So stay tuned for that. So, uh, Chris, any last words? No, thanks for watching, everyone. As always, take care. God bless and speak to you soon.